Welcome to the Dr. Katie Show. Free career advice for the people, because everybody deserves a better work experience. Call in to receive free career advice from Dr. Katie Revere, an experienced career coach and organizational psychologist. Dr. Katie has nearly 20 years of corporate business experience across various industries and divisions. She works with individuals, executives, and teams to create innovative, human-centered solutions to improve the workplace experience. Now here's Dr. Katie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Katie Show. I am Dr. Katie Rovere, and we are live here with our special guest, Helen Park. She is uh, somebody who owns a company called Toasty Time, and she is going to walk us through a story of how one goes from a passion project to side hustle and then back to a passion, passion project. So Helen, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Yeah, thank you for making the time to be here. And uh, for all of you listening, I actually met Helen at an event in San Francisco. We did a live, uh, I did a live event um, where I went to this really awesome uh, community street fair in San Francisco um, and right off Ocean Beach uh, and was uh, just a big mashup of music and art and food and culture. And Helen had a booth at this event and I got to meet her and learn all about Toasty Time. So for our listeners, Helen, can you tell us what is Toasty Time? Toasty Time is a clothing brand dedicated to one flagship item. It is a zip-up hoodie, but in lieu of kangaroo pockets that you would normally see on a zip-up hoodie, the pockets are entire whole mittens affixed to the tummy area. So the mittens are uh, pockets that also double as mittens. So you never lose your mittens. And they, this item is so eye-catching. I swear, when I was walking through the fair, I just looked over and I was like, oh my God. First of all, it looks like the coziest hoodie you could ever wear. And second of all, <laughs> it's just such a clever and cute idea. And I, I think it's an idea that um, also caught my eye because I saw how many uh, kid sizes that you make. So I would love to um, jump right into how Toasty's time uh, and creating this this item has uh, started off as a passion project for you mm -hmm. and what that evolution has been like. But first, let's learn a little bit more about you, Helen. Um, tell me a little about, bit about yourself. Uh, where were you born? What's, what's your background in education? Things like that. Sure. Um, I was born um, in a suburb outside of Paris, France, um, but immigrated to California when I was really little, about three, so I don't remember much. Um, and um, grew up in California, went to UC Berkeley and studied practice of art. Um, I wanted to be a fine artist and actually got into video and animation. Um, I moved to New York, became a freelance animator. Um, and during this time when I had just moved to New York, didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and I always had the side hobby of crafting things, making my own Halloween costumes, uh, reclaiming um, 
unused clothing and like reversing it or cutting it up so it's like something different. Um, and I happen to have these hoodies, um, or sorry, one hoodie uh, that had a big hole in the kangaroo pocket. Uh, simultaneously, I also happen to have these very strange pair of mittens um, that my sister got for me that um, were great up until the point of when the mitten is supposed to wrap around your cuff, your wrist. And this part was just like totally open. So it looked great for um, your the palm of your hand and your fingers, but on the wrist, all this air would just go through. So it was like totally useless as a mitten. Hmm. Um, so I put two and two together and took off the pockets of the, uh, of the hoodie and then patched on these um, mittens into pockets and wore it around town. And lo and behold, it's getting a lot of attention um, from coworkers, from um, total strangers on the street and even like security guards at airports. <laughs> uh, and so I used this to um, make connections, um, gave them out as birthday gifts, um, and then started getting requests from friends and friends of friends and coworkers. Um, so that's how it started. So you have a passion for making these, um, these hoodies, but what it sounds like you really have a passion for is sustainable approaches and, you know, creating things from existing materials and, I mean, obviously, um, you have the ability to sew as well. <laughs> so you have some <laughs> skills. So tell me a little bit about your background in a sense, like you, like what took this from a passion project to a side hustle? So it's mm -hmm. like, it started off as this idea of, I have this hole in my sweatshirt. I don't really want to buy a new sweatshirt or I don't really want to get rid of this sweatshirt because it's got a lot of use in it still. And I've got this mitten that uh, sort of doesn't work well, but it's cool and I like it. But so you combined the two, mm -hmm. birthed this really eye-catching, uh, cozy approach to a hoodie and... So what, so what did you do next? You started giving it away, but then it sounds like it went into becoming a side hustle. So tell me a little bit about that path. Yeah. Once, um, after the point of giving it to friends, I was getting requests and people were offering me money, uh, to make one for them for their daughter's birthday or their best friend's, um, Christmas gift, et cetera. Um, I started thinking, oh, maybe I can systemize this a bit and make a bunch at once and then send it out to stores that I like around um, Brooklyn and New York. Um, so I'd go into Salvation Army or Goodwills and hunt around for nice, clean, cool-looking sweatshirts um, with kangaroo pockets that looked like it was easy to remove. And then I also found this amazing, um, uh, this knitter online who uh, used yarn that she found also in like um, Goodwill or Salvation Armies. Um, and she would just knit these custom mittens for me that had the open cuff, which was essential to putting these two together. 
uh, she'd send it over and then I would um, assemble the two, walk around to different shops and asked if these shop owners would be interested in selling it on consignment. And they did. And I was really surprised to hear um, when they would sell out or when they had issues of shoplifting, um, that someone would want it bad enough to steal it. Um, and it just snowballed from there. Um, it, the next level up from there was actually uh, a really good friend of mine who has a brick and mortar store in Manhattan was also carrying a few of these, what I call them, prototypes. And she would notice how people would be very passionate about it. Like if there was only one left on the shelf, a couple like got into a big argument about who would get it. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty wacky. Even though she didn't sell uh, women's apparel in her shop, she sold, she sold and still sells um, women's lingerie and swim, swimsuits. So it was just a little outside um, outside the box of what she normally carries, but it was still selling out. So uh, the next step from beyond that was going into um, stores like Forever 21 and H&M and making, um, making this assembly line for myself a little bit simpler because the Salvation Armies, it required a lot of curating and a bit more customizing when it comes to sewing the pieces together. So, so at that, that was, time you were making them all by yourself? Yes, I was. Yeah. Or and I was piecing them all together myself. The mittens were uh, sourced um, from this uh, custom knitter. Nice. And so it, so you started on a path to become more profit driven. Is that right? That's what it sounds like. You started exploring what ways that you could actually make money off of this idea. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And so is now, is that something that was easy for you to do or was it challenging in any way? It was definitely a big shift. Um, I definitely felt myself having to pretzel myself a little bit to fit into this new mode of thinking. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was purely for pleasure and, um, and it, the hodgepodgey look of it, I really liked and it engaged with a DIY community that I felt I was a part of. Um, but now that I was working in this other mode of thinking, which was more profit driven, um, it was difficult. Um, so it became less fun. Yeah. And so shortly after that, as I understand it, you ended up moving across country back to California. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I moved to uh, San Francisco. Okay. And at that time, um, you weren't, you were, you were also working at Google, right? Yes. At this time I was, um, working for Google as a motion designer. And throughout this whole time, even before Google, I was a freelance motion designer. So truly toasty time has been a passion project and a side hustle all while you're working at a full-time career. Uh, yeah, it was exactly. And so you've, you really had a lot on your plate and it's, you know, when we do that to ourselves, it can be, I think very useful mm -hmm. and gives us new perspective, but it also can challenge us in a new way. And, 
um, help us get clarity on what is upstream, uh, what we're swimming against the current and what's easy. Yes. So uh-huh. right now, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and learn more all about what that intersection between uh, something feeling easy and something feeling difficult. And I think you use the word, you put yourself in a bit of a pretzel. So I'll want to dig into that right when we come back from break. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Katie show. We'll be right back with more Dr. Katie and our guest today, Helen Park. If you'd like to save 15% on your purchases from Toasty Time, go to toastytime.com and enter the coupon code BETTER15. We'll be right back. Own a business that has a great work experience? Are you hiring for a critical position and need to get the word out? Advertise your company's products, mission, and work culture on The Dr. Katie Show. Put the show that is all about a better work experience to work for you. Visit BetterWorkExperience.com and learn about guest sponsorship. You know you have a great company. Now let the world know. Sponsor the Dr. Katie Show. Log on to BetterWorkExperience.com today for details on saving 25% off. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Dr. Katie Show. Now, here's Katie. So, welcome back to the Dr. Dr. Katie show. We are back from our break and we have Helen Park here, the owner and operator and creator of Toasty Time. These super cute and warm snuggly hoodies that um, are available for purchase, but also um, are just one of the most cleverest thing I've ever seen on a a piece of clothing. Um, So Helen, if people want to learn more about Toasty Time or make any purchases, um, what is the website that they can do that? It is uh, toastytime.com. Great. All right. And before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about this battle between the inner voice. Um, And I know that uh, just over the years, you know, I've, I've, I've worked a corporate job um, and had side hustles and it's definitely, um, something that you have to let ebb and flow, I feel like. And mm-hmm. when you're pushing too hard on something and ignoring that inner voice, it can really take a toll on us. And I'm wondering if you can share with our listeners, um, what was that experience like for you? Uh, can you repeat that question, please? Uh, yeah, of course. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I Before we went to break, um, you had described you your um, struggle with that inner voice as somewhat of putting yourself in a pretzel, moving from a basically creating toasty time as a passion project and then more or less morphing it into a side hustle. So what I'm hoping for you to do is to describe um, what that process was like for you, uh, ignoring that inner voice, like you were pushing this into a side hustle, but it was more of a passion project. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so (laughs) when it first started, it was, uh, like I mentioned, just purely for fun. It was a release valve for some creative energy. It was a way to connect with people in a very, um, 
just in a pure way uh, where I just wanted to give something to someone and just not expecting anything in return, not expecting anything in the future. Um, it's just really low stakes and a super fun hobby that um, I was starting to get some attention. Um, so of course, once I start to get attention, my impulse and a lot of pressure, external pressure, was leading me in a direction where it just needs to be monetized and commodified and need a business mm. plan and I need to um, scale up and I need to think of a strategy and all these things. Um, I was feeling a lot of pressure um, to constantly um, produce content for social media, which mm -hmm. also seemed to really suck out the energy for me mm -hmm. um, when it wasn't just really sporadic images that I would collect from really organic interactions with people who liked the hoodie or things that I had just happened to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it became, it became really difficult where initially it was just me following this flow and then it became me forcing this flow to go in a certain direction and in a weird way it felt like I was trying to imitate myself mm. um, and imitate myself with higher volume of content in every aspect like with social media content with actual product with uh, um, the people who with a, sorry, also with my audience, with the stores, um, whereas again, in contrast to before, it was so organic. Like I would just happen to pop into a store that I, I liked and I would show them a picture and they'd be like, oh yeah, sure, why don't you bring that by? And it was just very organic. Um, but now I had this like spreadsheet with stores, oh, I was like calling people. And of course, like very few of them bit. And so... I was just left feeling kind of crappy about it because most of my efforts were like fruitless. Once in a while, I would get a bite and I would get a, a someone to consign or was interested, but it wouldn't last very long. It would only last for one season mm -hmm. before they weren't interested. It wasn't selling enough and or if the store closed down. So... Um, during this time, I was really having to pretzel myself to say like, no, this is how it's going to be. This is, this is moving forward. This is progress. This is how um, things grow without ever really asking myself, like, is this how I want to grow? Is this how I want this to grow? Could there be other ways? So that was, uh, that was the process <laughs> in the past 10 or so years. Yeah. And, you know, I got to ask, what was that light bulb moment for you where you actually was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. Did you have physical symptoms? Did you, were you, I mean, I know that when I have ignored that inner voice, mm -hmm. that's telling me to do something different. I, for me, it usually manifests in some sort of physical way. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I was just curious if, how did you know it was time? Um, I wish I could say it was a singular light bulb moment, but it was really just a collection of tons of little moments um, over the course of probably four or five years. 
-hmm. and they would manifest in physical symptoms um, such as uh, hair loss. I went to see a dermatologist. I thought there was something wrong with my shampoo. Hmm. The dermatologist said, you just are stressed out. And I was also in denial about being stressed out, even though I wasn't sleeping very well, um, had really bad acne. And I would go in these crazy exercise binges for a few months and then would just like crash and then not exercise at all for like several months and just like eat a ton and really strange eating habits. Like for a period, I was like only eating turnips <laughs> and like grapes. It was just very, very odd period. <laughs> oh, wow. <sighs> well, it sounds like uh, accumulation of all of those experiences led you to gain clarity and realize that taking this side hustle or making this passion project into a side hustle uh, was toxic for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on top of all of this, you're working full time at Google and you're, you moved back to California. So you're from, you were born in France, you were raised in Orange County then you moved to New York City. We're working there. It's where you created Toasty Time. And then you moved back to California, still working for Google at the time. So while all of this is going on, what's going on with your job at Google? Tell me a little bit about what it's like to work at Google. Um, you know, Give some people some insight if you can. Google is such an interesting place to work for because they do a really good job of um, letting each group have its own life. So it really feels like a collection of tiny startups. I was in three different teams and each one, um, while the work output might look similar, like it's all UX, um, the culture and the feeling for each team were so drastically different. Like I, I, uh, each period, um, I was just really stunned at how, how different they were. Um, I, when I first joined, I was like enthralled. I was like over the moon, um, being part of this company, making the money that I had made for the first time in my life. I was able to pay off my student loans and take care of like my teeth, things like that. Um, and uh, a, another really nice thing that Google accommodates um, their employees with um, is the, the uh, ease of transferring to different teams. So um, you don't ever really feel totally stuck forever in a singular team. It's, uh, they encourage like hopping around, or not encourage, but it's easy to do. Um, and so, is this answering your question about yeah, it what it's like? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. And um, I think there's there's something to be said. I mean, obviously, I mean, our show is all about how to have a better work experience. And uh -huh. it's, you know, so when listeners listen to the Dr. Katie show, they're expecting to learn about how to have a better work experience or hear about others who are having a bad work experience and then maybe some advice on how to overcome some of those challenges. And so, I mean, the, the story arc, if you will here for you, Helen is, is really, you know, you've, you've got this full-time career at a big, big company. Everybody knows what Google is 
And I don't know if a lot of people know what it's like to work there. So that's was super helpful. So I mean, what it sounds is there's a pretty great work experience at Google. Um, and I think in a prior conversation, you were describing some of the other perks that are pretty, I think you'd call them intoxicating. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, that is true. Um, I, I've just never seen this world before, um, like flying business class to these incredible European cities, seeing, staying and seeing these hotels. I've just never seen other than in movies. Um, just first class treatment, first class treatment. I felt like a queen. Um, also they do, uh, I just felt really appreciated and heard and seen um, in contrast to my previous freelance life where I was just a quick hired hand for jobs here and there, I would even often get forgotten to be added onto credit. So this was just a huge contrast where not only I was like being told that I was quote unquote special and very valuable for the team, uh, they would treat us like essentially rock stars. And I felt, um, I felt drunk with this new access to such incredible luxury. I've, I've never thought I would get to experience myself. Yeah. And the cool thing about um, that I, you know, we talked about in a prior conversation uh, about your experience at Google was your transition out and what that was like. And I want to touch on that. I mean, it's important for our listeners to know that you're an ex-Googler. You don't work there anymore. And actually that's pretty fresh, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like six months since you left your job at Google. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about um, what that journey out of Google was like for you. Because from what I recall from our conversation, you have described your former boss and her superior as really special humans. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how important um, the management, um, the people that you reported to at Google, um, and what were some of the attributes of their leadership that really helped you transition out and really get back in touch with your inner voice? Yes. Okay. Um, So to talk about them, I'll have to first give a little bit of context that I had originally planned to only be there for three years. Um, But then by year three, I realized I didn't know what I wanted to do anymore. Um, I got so comfortable in the Google lifestyle and bubble that I I just didn't know anymore um, if I was still interested in animation or if I just wasn't interested in animation for UX. Um, so at this time, I knew I wanted to leave and I was ready to leave the coop, but I wasn't sure what to do. So I was shopping around for different groups uh, to transfer into, one that would be a little bit more accommodating for um, me to just figure out what my next steps would be. And um, there was an opening for this group at Chrome that um Uh, just has a great reputation for being really, really good to their employees uh, and just being wonderfully drama-free. And I also knew that the work itself was, um, I I wouldn't call it easy. Nothing is really 
easy, but it was just something I was comfortable with and I'd be able to do it um, without exerting too much uh, creative capital on my end. Mm -hmm. So um, I transferred to this group um, and just very upfront um, made it pretty clear how I wasn't um, that necessarily passionate about like motion design for UX for like the most lucrative company in the world. Hmm. Um, And I would share this very openly with my friend who later turned into my manager (laughs) down the road. Um, And she just, she always knew from the very beginning was extremely supportive of my side um, explorations um, she even suggested at one point I um, provide a lecture or a workshop when at the time I only considered myself a student. Um, so in the in the uh, Google context, I even um, got out to like volunteer and lead a workshop at UC Berkeley um, without taking any like vacation days and just got to explore different aspects of um what I could do with my skills. And it was just a wonderful two-year incubation period for me to figure out what I wanted to do outside of working for a giant corporation. Mm -hmm. And um, even at this time, I was able to get um, a flexible workday arrangement. Um, So I I worked four days a week officially. and of course, your your salary is prorated, but still having that additional day was was huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, I started working at a high school um, for a workshop for just a couple hours. But just that little taste and doing that consistently for about, uh, yeah, two semesters um, while I was still working for Chrome was was really indicative of um, what what was the next path for me. So I'm extremely grateful for um, the flexibility and understanding that um, I wasn't just I wasn't just like a member of the team. I was also a human being with um, other interests outside of outside of work. Yeah, and I just have to emphasize how critically important that is in a leadership quality and how uh, wonderful it is that you had that experience at Google, working at Google. I think that all of us out there, um, whenever we land on, okay, wow, we're in a leadership role, people are reporting to us, whether it be you hired a babysitter to work for your family or you have a gardener who comes and takes care of your your property or you're working in a company and people report into you the fact that you were seen as a human being and that your needs and desires beyond the job tasks were considered and acknowledged is hugely hugely beneficial and important and uh, in a leadership quality and so i encourage all of you who uh, take up a leadership role to lead by example. I mean, there's this time old tale everybody's heard before, treat others like you want to be treated. And I would say lead others as if you would rather be led, um, as, as, as if you were leading yourself. And what, how would you treat you if you were your employee of yourself? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, because here they, I mean, not all companies have the 
the fun, the funding and the flexibility to, you know, help their staff transition on like a two year roadmap out of the organization in a healthy and meaningful and supportive way. But you could, you know, in smaller companies, you could definitely have a, a smaller off ramp um, that is still thoughtful and one that uh, creates a better work experience for people. And uh, the other thing is, is I would encourage listeners to consider this um, more to use the example, the pretzel, you know, you've put yourself at a pretzel and you feel you know, when I imagine, okay, if I put myself in a pretzel, I feel very restricted and I feel bind up and I don't feel free and I don't feel joy and I have a hard time relaxing because I'm all twisted up. Um, if you're in a position right now where that's you, it's super important to just take the time to reflect on what it is that you want to do with your life. And we can take a lesson from Helen here and uh, reposition uh, our um, reposition ourselves so we can hear that inner voice and we can, you know, begin our, to off-road or off-ramp from whatever we're currently engaged in and ramp up to something new that would be more fulfilling. So I will, let's actually, let's bounce to a second break and we'll be right back with more of the Dr. Katie show and our interview with Helen Park. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Katie Show. We'll be right back with more of the show. Quick reminder, if you go to the website, HelenPark.com, that's Helen with an E at the end, Park.com. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Katie Show. We'll be right back with more Dr. Katie and our guest today, Helen Park. If you'd like to save 15% on your purchases from Toasty Time, go to ToastyTime.com and enter the coupon code BETTER15. We'll be right back. Thursdays at noon is all about the Dr. Katie Show. Brought to you by Dr. Katie Revere, an organizational psychologist who's on a mission to better your work experience. Dr. Katie uses a transformational coaching approach that has helped many people improve their work experience. Discover a human-centered approach. Contact Dr. Katie and receive half off your first hour of coaching. Learn more at BetterWorkExperience.com. That's BetterWorkExperience.com. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Now, back to Dr. Katie. All right. Welcome back. Uh, we, You're listening to the Dr. Katie Show. We are interviewing Helen Park today, and she is the owner and operator of Toasty Time. Some super cute, cozy hoodies that uh, you can find at toastytime.com. And we have been learning all about what happens when you take a passion project, make it a side hustle, and then go back to a passion project. So we've learned all about Helen's story, how she created Toasty Time, how she was simultaneously working at Google, the super employer, with <laughs> an, which in her experience was... A, pretty exceptional, uh, intoxicating, uh, romance, uh, corp corporate experience with ab abundant, uh, perks, yeah. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> so you got to see quite a bit of the world working at Google. I got to see one part of the world, a very, very, uh, privileged, um, wealthy part of the world. Uh, 
What was that like? It was, it was uh, surreal. Um, I, in con- I mean, I grew up in a working class family, um, went to public school my whole life. So it was just, just a huge contrast. And, uh, I mean, even my coworkers, they all went to, not all, sorry. A lot of them went to um, fancy private schools. So it was just interacting with different types of people also for the first time. And just, it was just a whole new world um, where I felt initially uh, like a little country mouse in the big city. <laughs> um, and then quickly got used to it because it's really easy to get used to really nice soaps and things like that. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. When you were telling me before that, you know, every business trip you went on, you flew business class. I was like, damn, that's legit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's was, it was quite nice. Um, and I felt at first very undeserving of it. Um, and then I got over it. <laughs> Everyone else was doing it too. So I didn't feel so bad anymore. Yeah. So all in all, how many years did you work at Google? I worked there as a full-time employee for four years. And prior to that, I was a contractor for two. So a grand total of six. Yeah. Okay. So after resigning from Google, this was about six months ago that you left the company. Your your leaders were, they treated you nice. They helped you get re, uh, reestablish that inner voice to hear that inner voice, um, which allowed you to uh, discover uh, your passion for teaching. And so you're teaching now. And what else are you doing? I am working on a children's book um, and I'm working on Toasty Time and I pick up um, freelance design and animation jobs on the side. Nice. Super cool. And so post Google, six months in, Mm -hmm. has your health changed? It does. It has. Yes. I feel- Tell us about how your life has changed since you left- working in the corporate world? Um, I think I, I didn't even notice I had this feeling of pressure around my temples until now that I don't have the feeling anymore of, um, it just felt very tight, um, at the side of my head for some reason. Um, and I just don't feel that anymore. So that is a huge relief. Um, but as I'm surprised to feel that cause I didn't even notice it before. Um, my sleep is top notch right now. It's maybe like a little too good. <laughs> and, uh, my dreams are really vivid. I remember them almost every night and, um, yeah, I just feel, I feel good. <laughs> I don't think about spreadsheets and, um, they don't haunt my dreams or anything like that anymore. You had nightmares about spreadsheets? I had, yeah. Ooh. So you make your own rules now? More or less. And of course, that has its own set of anxieties too. Um, but it's, it's way more fun. <laughs> so tell us, now that Toasty Time, it sounds like is back to a passion project. Is that right? Are you, are you 
what is the new mission for this this company? This was a is a pat is it a passion project now? Would you consider it, or would you could still consider it a side hustle? Uh, it is a passion project, as my main goal is not no longer to make a profit and scale up and sell more. Um, What's your goal my, now? My renewed mission is to um, support outdoor experiences for young peoples of all communities, especially for those most in need. And this is a very personal one um, because um, I myself have benefited from a lot of scholarship programs and um, things of that sort growing up um, to get to go camping and get to go to outdoor science schools, things like that. Um, and uh, it was actually the source of inspiration for Toasty Time. Um, the little patch that's on every single hoodie is inspired by patches on like a Boy Scout or Girl Scout patch. And the initial ideas of the, the putting together of like two 80% okay pieces to make one new 100% thing is also um, a philosophy I've brought in from being mindful for the environment and um, just being more conscious in uh, our consumption and in our lifestyles. Wonderful. And so you have um, this new mission. So how do you fulfill your mission with selling uh, these, these hoodies? Um, I am focusing on... Um, donating profits to a variety of nonprofits with missions that I really admire. For example, recently um, donated um, hoodies to this nonprofit called the Bay Area Wilderness Training Organization um, that uh, sets out to um, train educators for outdoor education and also to have outdoor expeditions for kids of all communities. Um, and they do so by having this enormous gear library full of tents, um, sleeping bags, uh, cooking items, um, all the things you need for camping. And um, I'm very happy to say that the hoodies are now a part of this gear library. So that's uh, one example of that. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Sounds like a really useful um, charity. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They I, a... I need that for myself. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of equipment to go camping, like really specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So it sounds like a Toasty Time is moving into more philanthropic and charitable organization. Yes, exactly. That's really wonderful. And so, I mean, your health has improved, your, your organization is back to fulfilling your passions. I mean, what more could you ask for? Is there anything about your work experience today that could be better? Hmm. Um, always. (laughs) Uh, I, I, uh, and pivoting um, more towards being an illustrator slash animator. So illustrator first, animator second. Um, whereas prior, previously it was the reverse with minimal illustration and mostly animation. Um, I, uh, 
I am fortunate to have Toasty Time to have been a framework for trying out ideas in a very low pressure way where I was really enjoying making illustrations, um, making stickers, making other collateral, like a, a one page newsprint full of comics that would be used to package the sweatshirts. So um, just during that process, I really realized like, oh, I've, I've always wanted to draw. I'd, I've was into animation because for reasons where I, <laughs> I realized now was because it was um, a quote, unquote, easier path at the time because the demand was so high um, and I didn't feel very confident in my illustration skills also at the time. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the path I'm taking now is finding more illustration gigs, um, trying to get published for my children's book and uh, things like that. That's wonderful. Thanks. And, yeah, of course. And so what what is it about the DIY community that uh, draws you in? Um, I myself am pretty DIY. Like, um, and that's like, do it yourself, right? Yes, do it yourself. Um, I just find it more fun um, to like make my own yogurt and it's just more delicious. Um, and to make my own Halloween costumes, to, to reclaiming pieces that are mostly fine and then giving it a new life, um, things like that. Uh, it's just more, more enjoyable for me and I find it um, more, um, it's more cost effective, but it's not just cost effective because the materials are cheaper, it's cost effective because it takes up so much more time, so it keeps me from shopping for for things I don't need. Mm. Which I'm realizing <laughs> has been the best thing about making my own things in a very, very slow, slow way. Yeah, that brings up a good point. I mean, I I know that you grew up in Orange County. What was it like uh, growing up in Orange County as a young woman and was was there a point where you realized that you wanted to reuse rep- um, or repurpose materials in your childhood, or did you just realize that once you got older? It it's it's been that's been a journey too because initially uh, the DIY aspect was more out of necessity than anything else, um, as my my family was um, an immigrant family and um, it was really to save on costs like that was purpose and mm-hmm. also that's just kind of how all like all they knew um, this disposable culture of of constant consumerism is relatively new for them um, so in a way I'm very fortunate to have grown up in a in a very do-it-yourself kind of way where we don't need to go out and buy that thing we could just make it here somehow mm-hmm. And it might not look as good, but it'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such an interesting perspective because, I mean, I'm a California girl. I grew up in California, and we always shopped for new things. I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we would go to Ross. 
I loved going to Ross mm-hmm. with my girlfriends yes. or my mom when I was a kid. And there were tops for $3.99 and $4.99. And, you know, I, I accumulated so much clothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did the same too. Yeah. Ross is a great example. It's so easy to buy like a little $1.99 pair of pants. Um, so, when the opportunities did arise for us to go shopping, I just go crazy, like mm-hmm. buy these things without even liking it or if it even fitting well. Might've worn it once and felt uncomfortable wearing it once and then never saw it again. It's just like went to the back of the closet. Yeah. And it's just like, no wonder there's so much waste going on. It's just, yeah, it's just it kind of does my head in um, <laughs> why we, how we've grown up with just needing new things all the time, all the time. It's, it's incessant. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think there, what, what, what are ways that you think we could be more mindful about that kind of stuff? Is there anything that you do like before you're about to purchase something that you're like, ah, do I really need this? I still struggle with this. Um, but I am trying to clock myself anytime I have the urge to buy something is to really think about the inventory of clothes that I have already. Mm. Um, And it's easier to manage that also if I have fewer clothing. So lately I have been going on more frequent, smaller purges, purges of clothes that I don't wear very much. Mm. Um, What do you do with them? Excuse me? What do you do with them when you're purging clothing? I sort them out. So the stuff that's a little bit nicer, I'll go out of my way to find a nice consignment store or um, the real real is pretty, pretty awesome. I just started using them for luxury consignment. Um, and the for real the, real. I've never the, heard of that. Oh yeah. They're a startup that does luxury consignment. Um, and they'll even have like a service where someone will come to your home and check out your items and collect them for you. And then they'll just take them to their warehouse and clean them up. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty pretty amazing. (laughs) Wow. And so do you find that when you do these purges, do you ever find two items that you think could be combined into one? Like you did with your (laughs) time sweatshirt. (laughs) I haven't thought that way in in actually quite a long time. Um, I, well, lately I'm more interested in, um, using patterns like vintage patterns. So I just recently bought, um, uh, a used pattern of, um, scrubs that nurses wear. Mm. And, um, I just really like the way the drawstring pants look. And so, um, I'm going to try to um, make some pants from scratch <laughs> with this, uh, with this um, pattern that I bought from a, like a, a used, um, it's called Scrap. It's this place where they sell donated used um, art supplies and anything crafty. Nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So we have, we have a little bit of time left. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about your book. Oh, oh my. Um, my book is um, called... It's, it's in progress, right? It's in progress, yes. Uh, oh. I have a sketch 
of the whole thing, which I think sometimes is called a manuscript, um, with loose drawings of of the uh, illustrations and the writing. Um, it's a graphic novel picture book hybrid for small kids from ages four and up. Um, it's called uh, Best Friends dot 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 forever question mark. And uh, it's a tale about um, feeling left out. Um, so it follows a group of three bears and a friend group of three bears that are very close. And then a new bear comes on the scene and one of the bears of the friend group takes him in, takes him to all of their sacred sacred um, places of, of where the friends used to hang out. And um, the story is about um, all the feelings of jealousy that arise uncontrollably and how to resolve them. Hmm. That sounds really, really useful. <laughs> I mean, as a parent, I would definitely want to teach my child a lesson around how to welcome in new friends and, mm. and share. Yeah, and it's a it's a story for adults too, as it's something I, I still am working through myself. Well, that's wonderful. And is this something that um, listeners can put uh, be put on a waiting list to order? I know that it's not quite ready yet, but is this uh, if people are interested in purchasing the book, is there a way that they can get in touch or get on a waiting list for that? Oh, I plan on um, selling it if it does get published um, or having it available on the Toasty Time website and okay. including that to the product list. So yes, it would be through subscribing to the uh, the Toasty Times newsletter, um, which is just uh, at the bottom of the website. Excellent. And that was toastytime.com? Yes, that's correct. Great. Well, I have to say this has been such a... Um, an interesting interview for me to do with you. It's been really fun getting to know you. I mean, from meeting you on the street in San Francisco um, <laughs> about a month ago to, you know, uh, catching my eye with your creative and really cute snuggly hoodies that you make at Toasty Time. Uh, but then really just learning about your story and your life and how you took this passion project uh, and your passion for reusing existing materials to repurposing them into something new and different uh, into a side hustle and realizing that that was actually quite toxic of a step for you um, and the business. And then you just have this resurgence, this reawakening to the true uh, passion. And that is to uh, be more philanthropic and charitable versus, you know, having nightmares and dreams about spreadsheets. <laughs> and I think that it's also really lovely to note um, how your work experience at Google has um, really been transformational part of your journey through this, um, through the last 10 years. And I appreciate you sharing your um, perspective, what it's like to work at Google, because I think people uh, would be fascinated to know and hear how wonderful and intoxicating it is <laughs> and how great and how great some of the leadership qualities uh, were for you to get re, uh, reconnected to that inner voice. And I'm happy to hear that your health has improved. And um, 
any, any last words on behalf of Toasty's time that you'd like to share before we head out for, for the day? Yeah, if there are any nonprofits out there who are interested in, in kind donations, um, please let me know. I'm uh, really actively looking for a nonprofit, especially um, before the end of this year. So if you're looking for Christmas gifts or anything of that sort, uh, feel free to reach out. All right. Thank you, Helen, for joining us today. And again, be great leaders to each other. Um, treat each other like human beings. And um, that's it for the Dr. Katie Show. Thank you all so much and hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Katie Show. Remember, if you want to get 15% off your order with ToastyTime.com, enter the coupon code BETTER15. Tune in next week when Dr. Katie returns live.